Hello, and welcome back to this podcast series, where recently we've been looking at what the point is of different parts of pharmacy, which is all well and good, but there's only so long any person can go without critical appraisal fun. So this week, we're going to have some critical appraisal fun and have a look at lecanemab, the new monoclonal antibody whose press release of preliminary data has caused quite a bit of coverage in the newspapers. So we'll talk a bit about what lecanemab is, what it's for, why working from a press release is dubious, and what we might be able to learn from it all, both about lecanemab and about press release hype in general. So let's get started. First off, what is lecanemab and what's it for? So as the ending of its name, MAB, suggests, it's a monoclonal antibody, which means that complicated science and a healthy price tag is up ahead. However, lecanemab isn't yet on the market, so the healthy price tag is still in the future. So for now, we'll have to focus on the complicated science instead. So lecanemab is a suggested future treatment for Alzheimer's disease, which is a common and problematic condition ranked as the seventh highest cause of death in the USA. Alzheimer's is much studied but not massively understood, which means there's lots and lots of science that could be debated and discussed for the whole of a full-length podcast. But we've only got eight minutes, so we're going to have to be efficient. So in the little corner of the science that we are interested in, the development of Alzheimer's is associated with the development of amyloid beta plaques in the brain. These are formed by misfolded amyloid beta proteins, themselves cleaved off from amyloid precursor proteins. It's thought that soluble amyloid beta can misfold, which then itself triggers more misfolding of other amyloid beta, leading to the formation of oligomers that are toxic to nerve cells, precipitating a cascade, which leads to the formation of plaques of all this misfolded GAC, which then causes further damage to the brain cells, so impairing function. Therefore, the theory is that if you can do something about the amyloid beta, you can also do something about Alzheimer's. But this isn't the only theory out there and the spectrum of current medicines to manage Alzheimer's is a testament to this. So we have donepezil and galantamine, which are based on the theory that Alzheimer's is a disease of a lack of cholinergic activity. They work by stopping the breakdown of acetylcholine. And we also have memantine, which is based on the theory that Alzheimer's is a disease of glutamate overstimulation causing nerve damage. So with all these potential targets and drugs, why do we need more? Well, it's mainly because the drugs we have are fairly rubbish, and none really affect the progression of the disease. So having something that potentially works against the potential root cause of Alzheimer's, the amyloid protein, is potentially really good. So what does lecanemab actually do? Well, the theory is that the lecanemab, being a specifically designed monoclonal antibody, selectively binds to the amyloid beta bits before they start clogging together into fibrils and plaques, so helping to stop these bad things forming. So these are the reasons to be hopeful about lecanemab, It's got some fancy technology behind it, it's got a plausible target, and phase 2 studies showed that it did what it was intended to do. It did stuff to amyloid beta, so roll on phase 3. But what are the reasons to be sceptical about lecanemab? Well, the other MAB that was targeted at amyloid, adekanumab, was a bit of a flop and caused quite a lot of controversy when it was launched. Basically, at approval for use in the USA, Adekanumab didn't have any evidence for efficacy on clinically meaningful endpoints. Like lecanemab in phase 2 studies, it showed that it targeted amyloid successfully, but it had next to nothing for actually relieving symptoms or slowing progression. Despite 10 out of 11 external advisors recommending non-approval, it was approved. Three of the panellists resigned in protest. So that's one reason to be a little bit sceptical. 
Another reason to be sceptical is that the stuff we have access to is via a press release from the manufacturers covering preliminary non-peer-reviewed results of their trial, which wouldn't normally make much of a splash in the non-specialist media. So why is it so prominent this time? Well, it's probably due to the fact that humans are humans. Alzheimer's is an awful disease, and barring the controversial aducanumab, we haven't had a new drug for pushing 20 years. People therefore understandably really want stuff to work. It's therefore possible that we're getting to hear about it, not because it's revolutionary and outstanding, but because people are desperate for a positive news story in this area. It's always worth thinking about why something's been brought to your attention, and have a check of other people's and your own biases so you're not going in blind to them. So with our biases checked, what can we find out about lecanemab? Well, not much, unfortunately. It looks like it was a placebo-controlled blinded trial of about 1,800 patients over 18 months, which isn't bad. The headline statistic is that there was 27% less decline in function for patients on lecanemab compared to those on previous best care, which also sounds good. Alzheimer's still gets worse, but slower, which gives patients more time before they have significant disease. But we need to be careful here. Putting aside the press release non-peer-reviewedness of it all, what we've got is a percentage quoted with little context, so we do need to be suspicious. This could be a relative rather than an absolute reduction in decline. And looking further into it, it is indeed a relative reduction, which though it has some stats validity behind it, it's also conveniently a handy way of getting big numbers that look good in press releases. So it's worth looking for more data to get a bit of perspective. The decline is 27% less than the decline on placebo, but the absolute difference was 0.45 points on an 18-point scale, which isn't nothing, but isn't half as impressive as 27%. For more perspective, the scale asks people to score themselves from 0 to 3 in 6 domains that are impacted on by Alzheimer's. So the average 0.45-point difference equates to a very small shift in the patient's condition. It's a statistically significant difference, but whether it's clinically significant is up for debate. So having had a look, does this mean that we sling lecanemab on the scrap heap with all the other false dawns? Well, no. But we definitely don't put it on a pedestal just yet. There's a huge amount of noise in the system because of what it is and the paucity of other recent success stories. So we need to be mindful not to get swept along on our own wishful thinking alone. We really need to wait for the full publication and peer review. Remember how our opinions of Molnupiravir changed between the interim analysis press release and the final analysis? For now, I think what we can say is that lecanemab looks interesting and makes the amyloid target for Alzheimer's treatment something to keep an eye on. But we do need to see if that translates into clinical benefit, as we still don't know. And we also need to keep an eye on the risk-benefit profile, as both aducanumab and lecanemab have quite a good crop of potential adverse effects. So if the benefits are real but marginal, do they outweigh the risks still? And more broadly, we also need to suspect relative risks are being used when we see a press release with a big percentage quoted. We need to not take attractive stats at face value, and we do need to go digging for more understandable figures. Thanks, and see you next time. <laughs>